I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about Rosa Parks. So grab your seat on the bus. And let's get civical. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Walentowski. You are saying that as though you're finally accepting. I am finally coming. you are Arden Walentowski. Finally come to the realization I will never be anybody else. You and can't. Really, who, I can't. And who else would I rather be? Who, who, who? Who, who are you? I exactly. wouldn't have you any other way. Thank you. But that's just me. I'm just but one simple country gal. <laughs> and I wouldn't change you. Aw, I wouldn't change you either. Thank you. You're so welcome. And I wouldn't change you, our sweet, sweet listeners, because what? why why mess with perfection? And that's what you are. 
Exactly. You listeners are perfection and you keep us perfect. And here we are doing perfection. I feel I feel as though I'm I'm blacking out because I'm loopy. (laughs) (laughs) Full disclosure, everybody. And you can probably tell by the sound of my voice. I oh my god. Not well. Part of me (laughs) was like this is new. Part of me was like, you should save her. You should save her. She knows not where let she me, is. No, you should let save her. Let me hit the iceberg. How will then, I learn? How will I learn? <laughs> and then part of me was like, she's a pro. She got this. She's I'm not a pro. pro. I'm not a professional anything. You can't say that about me. <laughs> but no, I am obviously talking from beyond the grave again, but not because I'm normal tired, because I got my booster shot. Yeah. I got, I got the boosty boost for the COVID vaccine. So I'm all boosted up. It hasn't been nearly as bad as my second dose. It just makes me very tired. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. I got it like at 4 p.m. yesterday. So I feel like I'm at the, you know, I'm just over the peak of it because it's usually, at least for my other, my last, my second dose, it was like a full 24 hours thing. So uh, I yeah, feel like I just too. got over that. So I just okay. need to go to bed and then I'll be mm-hmm. rocking and rolling again. That's amazing. I am. It's good to know. I am getting my booster like next week. Mm. So yeah, it's like to know. Give yourself a light day the next day because y- you could either feel absolutely nothing or it could Make you really tired and achy and kind of feverish. Mm, yep. Okay. Both right. options are available mm, <laughs> to you, know you. And I'll take that over, you know, struggling in the hospital with COVID. Sure. Sure. So, yeah, yep, if you yep. are eligible to get your booster, get your boost. And this is what I found out. It doesn't matter what original vaccine you got. You can yeah. get whatever booster is available. So, like, I got Moderna originally. But my booster is Pfizer. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay, totally, great. totally fine. Totally cleared great. by the CDC. Get boosted great. in whatever feels good to you. Great. Or whatever's I... available. Thank you. I will. Great. Great. So now that we've had our little vaccine booster conversation, mm-hmm. let's shift over to the actual topic of today, which has nothing to do with present day COVID or present day anything, but a very infamous figure who is still present in our sort of zeitgeist it is the one the only rosa parks yeah i'm so excited i feel like we needed her yeah today. this is this is a <laughs> and fun always. one yeah i i i love because i mean the story and i'm sure you had like a similar experience like rosa parks the story that I was told as a kid was like, she was this just like a woman on her way home from work and she Mm. didn't want to stand up. And so she said no. And then she was, and like, there's a lot of, you know, value in somebody doing that, but Mm -hmm. she was an organizer. Like she and her husband were organizers and that a true activist, a true activist. That's a whole other like thing to talk about and be proud of. And I feel like mm-hmm. for the longest time, that was like, you know, kind of kept under wraps because it was, you know, like it was planned. It made it sound like she got on the bus, you know, and like right. planned with the in intention that... of getting arrested, which right. is, as far as I know, exactly what she did. Right. I mean, so, probably not fully getting, I mean, but she knew it was a I think, 
real possibility. Yes, I think of I think definitely it was like in her. I mean, I don't know that in this moment she knew that this bus this day, but mm-hmm. you know, but like I I don't know. There's it was really fun to research this and learn a little bit more about her and um in her background. I love it. Yeah. And we are doing this episode because it's the anniversary of when she was arrested on the bus that fateful day coming yes. up this month. The anniversary of her arrest is December 1st. Yeah. December 1st. Love yes. it. The one, which I believe is the day that this episode is being aired. Yes. So that's called Kismet, y'all. Mm-hmm. Kismet. Called meant to be. Happy anniversary to Rosa. We love you so, so much. Mm-hmm. So before we jump into the episode, you want to go over today's Sarsha Ryan and Sarsha's? Yes, I would love to. Today's Sarsha Ronan sources are the National Women's History Museum. Love this source. So good. So good. I've gone to them many a time. Such a fan. Such a fan. The Henry Ford Museum, interestingly enough. Yeah, Troy University, because that's where the Rosa Parks Museum is located. Perfect. And, of course, we could not get by without our tried and true beloved history.com. I wouldn't continue forward without it, to be honest. Not not today. Not today. I would have to go grab at least a single note from history.com. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So let's jump in at the very beginning of Rosa Parks and talk about her early life. So these notes are coming from History.com and the National Women's History Museum. Rosa Louise McCauley was born on February 4th, 1913 in Tuskegee, Alabama. Rosa moved to Montgomery, Alabama at age 11 and eventually attended high school there, a laboratory school at the Alabama State Teachers College for Negroes. That's the name of the college. Yeah. She left at 16, early in the 11th grade, because she needed to care for her dying grandmother, and shortly thereafter, her chronically ill mother. In 1932, at age 19, she married Raymond Parks, a self-educated man 10 years her senior, who worked as a barber and was a longtime member of the National Association for the Advancements of Colored People, or as we know it, the NAACP, he supported Rosa in her efforts to earn her high school diploma, which she ultimately did the following year. Love to see it. Love Mm -hmm. to see it. I didn't know she was from Alabama. but I didn't know that either. But then if you asked me where she was from, I probably would have been like, right. Yeah. Alabama. Alabama. Love Alabama. Tuskegee, which comes up so, so often. Tuskegee, Alabama. There's got to be something in the water down there that's just like pumping up, like pumping out people of notoriety. Sure. Well, it's, you know, massive oppression and excellent organizers. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yes. That's, agreed. That's what's going on down there. That could Alabama. be that. That could be that. That's absolutely right. So let's talk a little bit about her political life. Let's. Let's do. So these are these notes are coming from history.com and the uh, National Women's History Museum. Raymond and Rosa, who worked as a seamstress, became respected members of Montgomery's large African-American community. Coexisting with white people in a city governed by Jim Crow segregation laws, however, was fraught with daily frustrations. Black people could only attend certain inferior schools, 
could only drink from specified water fountains, and could only borrow books from the Black Library, among other restrictions. Although Raymond had previously discouraged Rosa from participating and organizing out of fear for her safety, in December of 1943, Rosa joined the Montgomery chapter of the NAACP and became the chapter secretary. Don't hold her back, Raymond. Don't hold her back. Don't hold her back. Like, I get let it. Her go. I get it. But, like, oh, let yeah. her go. Yeah. She worked closely with chapter president Edgar Daniel Nixon, who later is referred to as <laughs> E.D. Nixon or just Nixon, but not <laughs> I am the crook Nixon. This is pre- This, this, this is, is pre-real, pre, like, other This is Nixon. O.G. Nixon, okay. O.G. Nixon. O.G. Nixon. Not, not Dick. Not, not Dick Nixon. Not so E.D. Nixon was a railroad porter known in the city as an advocate for black people who wanted to register to vote, and also as president of the local branch of the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, which was a union in the in the area. So she's like making friends, getting into organizing. She's becoming yeah. secretary of the NAACP chapter where they live. She's mm-hmm. like, she's doing it. She's doing it. So by the time Rosa Parks boarded the bus in 1955, she was an established organizer and leader in the civil rights movement in Alabama. Which is like, for the time, like the hub yes. of civil rights movements. I mean, out in Montgomery, Alabama specifically, so much going on there. So it's not like this. she was some small town organizer. No, she was no. in the middle of it all. Yeah, she's in the thick of it in the busiest parts of the... Yeah, the busiest, like, civil rights city. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, speaking of the bus, let's talk about the bus boycott heard around the world. So, on the chilly evening of December 1st, 1955, on a busy street in the capital of Alabama, Rosa boarded a segregated city bus to return home after a long day of work, taking a seat near the middle just behind the front white section. So as we know, the front of the bus was for whites. The back of the bus was for blacks. And she took a seat, not necessarily in the white section, but as close to it as you could probably get in the middle of the bus. Like she was still in the, like the colored section as it was called. Right, right. At the next stop, more passengers got on. When every seat in the white section was taken, the bus driver ordered the black passengers in the middle row to stand so a white man could sit. Segregation was written into law that the front of the Montgomery bus was reserved for white citizens and the seats behind them for black citizens. However, it was only by custom that bus drivers had the authority to ask a black person to give up their seat for a white rider. There were contradictory Montgomery laws on the books, One said that segregation must be enforced, but another, largely ignored, said no person, white or black, could be asked to give up a seat, even if there was no other seat on the bus available. So I love this. We love little murky laws that are- Love a murky law. A murky law that doesn't basically say one way or another if this bus driver actually had legal authority. Right. To ask somebody to move, or if this was just more of a societal a thing. societal right? thing, yeah. Yeah. Also, pause, because there's like three or four people in this row, 
And there's a, we're talking about a single white guy. Mm -hmm. And so we're making multiple people because he clearly couldn't sit in a row with other, you know, with black people. Obviously. We're making him stand up or we're making these three or four other people stand up so that this one white dude could sit down. Correct. Correct. Just so we're clear on what's happening. We're, I'm crystal clear as to what's unfolding on this bus. Crazy. So regardless of if the bus driver had legal authority, he did ask the four people sitting in the middle row to move for the one white passenger. Three of the four obeyed and moved. Rosa did not. This is where the moment comes. She said, I will not move from my seat on this bus. No, good for her. So, as we know, she was arrested and convicted of violating the laws of segregation. She was tried on Monday, December 5th, which is so quick. That's so quick. She was arrested on the 1st and tried on the 5th. Four days later? There's a whole weekend in there. There's a whole weekend. There is a whole weekend. We're not talking about You couldn't about get it, people to work on a weekend now to process people to get out of jail. Are you kidding me? Honestly. Can't get them to work on a Monday through Friday to process people to get out of no. jail, much less the weekend. Seriously. So she was tried on Monday, December 5th, and she was convicted of disorderly conduct under a state statute and fined $10 plus $4 in court costs, which sounds like a little bit, but it's not a little bit in yeah. 1955. No. E.D. Nixon who was a friend, supporter, and former president of the Montgomery NAACP chapter, asked if she would let the NAACP use her case to fight segregation, which she agreed to do. She appealed her conviction and thus formally challenged the legality of segregation. Both her and Edie Nixon knew the risks, which would be anything along the lines of harassment, even lynching, and of course, losing her job. Yeah. So this is something that we've seen when we've talked about Supreme Court cases, like not- notable Supreme Court cases is the case that will undo an entire system, like like the, you know, the Roe versus Wade's of the world's. Right. Um, the case that will challenge something that is set in stone. And that's what they want to do with Rose's case. Yeah, Exactly. And they're, and, you know, it wasn't like in true, you know, they have to look for the right case. And in true form, they were like, we think it's you. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you feel about this? And she was like, yeah, yeah, Because she it. has to, I mean, you have to agree to do it. Like, it's yeah. your case. <laughs> it's your case. It's your case. Yeah. So Rosa Parks's defiance of an unfair segregation law, which required black passengers to defer to any white person who needed a seat by giving up their own, forever changed race relations in America. She was not the first African-American to do this. In fact, two other black women had previously been arrested on buses in Montgomery and were considered by civil rights advocates as potential touch points for challenging the law. However, both women were rejected because community leaders felt they would not gain support. Rosa Parks, with her flawless character, quiet strength and moral fortitude was seen as an ideal candidate. Yeah. I mean, there is so much thought that goes into who it is that is going to go forward to Mm -hmm. essentially challenge something as big as this. I mean, I, I think of how 
RBG challenged gender discrimination by using a case where a male was discriminated against. Right, 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 right. In order to prove a point. Right. And it's because it's so difficult (laughs) to justify gender discrimination when it's a male. Now, obviously, this isn't as turning on its head as that situation was. But I do think that when you're going to go up against something as big as segregation... There has to be no element of there is no a room person that can be torn apart, right? You know, yeah. So it is a real, you really like, yeah. This was so in- thoroughly planned out. Yes, I think, and thank God, she you know had some education. She was married. You know, she wasn't. Mm-hmm. She have, doesn't sound like the type of person who was. She also wasn't young. I mean, she's yeah, she forty two yeah. years old. Yeah. You know, so it's. There's yeah. element of that as well. It's like, yeah. you know, but she also wasn't old. Right. It's right. lightning in a bottle. Yeah. That's you really, know, it was smart. Continuing on with the notes. So on December 5th, which was Rosa Parks's the day of her trial, the black population of Montgomery started the Montgomery bus boycott. By midnight, 35,000 flyers were being mimographed to be sent home with black school children, informing their parents of the planned boycott. Hell yeah. That is so smart. I love it. Like, literally don't, like, hit people where it hurts. And that's with money. With money. And I I love the idea of, like, like, the black school children going home with these things. I love it. Do it. That's amazing. Such a great, I mean... Excellent publicity. Black participation in the boycott was much larger than even the optimists in the community had anticipated. Nixon and some ministers decided to take advantage of the momentum forming the Montgomery Improvement Association to manage the boycott. And they elected Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was new to Montgomery at the time and just 26 years old as the movement's association president. 26 years old. 26 years old. I'm 28. You are not, really? Yeah, I'm 28. Hmm. <laughs> and trust me, Dr. King and I have different trajectories. <laughs> different trajectories. So young. It's amazing. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. 
Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts. So as I talked about earlier, she, you know, trial on December 5th, the Montgomery bus boycott begins. She's found guilty and is fined. And then they want to take this and appeal her conviction and sort of attempt to challenge segregation laws using her case. So as appeals and related lawsuits winded, winded? I think winded. I'm going to say made. Yeah. (laughs) Made their way. Yeah. As appeals and related lawsuits made their way through the courts all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, the Montgomery bus boycott engendered anger in much of Montgomery's white population, as well as some violence. And Dr. Nixon's and Dr. King's homes were bombed. Bombed. Not I threw a brick through your window, which also is not okay. No. But B-O-M-B-E-D, bombed. Yep. The violence didn't deter the boycotters or their leaders, however, and the drama in Montgomery continued to gain attention from the national and international press. On November 13th, 1956, so this is one year later, Mm -hmm. the Supreme Court ruled that the bus segregation was unconstitutional, and then the boycott ended on December 20th, A day after the court's written order arrived in Montgomery, Rosa Parks, who had lost her job and experienced harassment for the entire year for the while it was making its way to the Supreme Court, became known as the mother of the civil rights movement, which is, I mean, it's valid, you know? Yeah. Like it, because it, obviously the arrest was organized but I think to not only do that, but then to put yourself on the line in the way that she did while this case made it through, made its way through the courts and the amount of press and attention yep. and how volatile and dangerous it was to continue to live in Alabama while so, yeah. this was happening. I mean, it was a real life and death risk. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, the people I'm, people around them were being, their like, homes were bombed. The, the bombed. People were dying. Like, the whole, that whole time period. I mean, like, what a gutsy, like, selfless thing to do. I mean, you're, you're voluntarily yeah. putting yourself in harm's way. With, like, very little security that it will go the right way. Right. Because it could have, I mean, we're talking about an all-white male Supreme Court of 1956. Right. This is not, this is not our ideal team. No, 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 no. Not hashtag allies at the time. Not hashtag allies. We are, we are putting our eggs in a basket that is wobbly. And wicker and fresh. And wicker and not secure and... Mm -hmm. The house is also on fire. So yes. it, really not a lot of security with this. No. Gutsy. Gutsy, gutsy. 
Many have tried to diminish Parks' role in the boycott by depicting her as a seamstress who simply did not want to move because she was tired. But obviously, Parks denied that claim and years Mm -hmm. later revealed her true motivation. And this is a quote from Rosa Parks. Quote, People always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired. But that isn't true. I was not tired physically or no more tired than I usually was at the end of a working day. I was not old, although some people have an image of me being old then. I was 42. No, the only tired I was, was tired of giving in, end quote. I love that. Yeah. It was a choice. It was, you know, and I get it. Like, I get the romanticism behind, like, in the spur of the moment, this 42-year-old seamstress decided that I'm going to be brave and say no and then be catapulted into this world of activism that I was never in. America loves a hero. They love like a standout hero. They don't, as much as America wants to be like, if you keep trucking along, you'll get there. Keep working at it. Keep going for the thing you want. Keep going for the thing you want. That's not actually what gets praised at the end of the day when really sure. that's what she did. She, I mean, at this that's point, exactly she was in it for did. over a decade. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's the fact that she knew consciously all of the very bad scenarios that would probably come out of that decision yeah. and that active decision and still went onto the bus and still made the active choice knowing that absolutely I'm going to get arrested mm-hmm. may even get physically harmed because that's very common. And the fact that she still was like, yeah, let's go. You know, yep. it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a emotional decision. No, it was very, I don't I mean, think. It doesn't sound like it to me. It just sounds very matter of fact and level headed. Yeah, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, we need great. Let's go. I'm down. So after the boycott, after the boycott, Rosa Parks and her husband moved to Hampton, Virginia, and then later settled in Detroit, Michigan. Rosa Parks' work proved to be invaluable in Detroit's civil rights movement. She was an active member of several organizations which worked to end inequality in the city. By 1980, after consistently giving to the movement both financially and physically, Parks, who was then widowed, suffered from financial and health troubles. After almost being evicted from her home, local community members and churches came together to support her. I, that like makes me, there's like little, like there's like a little piece in there that just like in my heart that just dies. That like this woman who did this huge thing. And, and sparked this whole, you know, the, the Montgomery bus boycott and all of that. We remember, we talk about her all the time and put her up on this pedestal. Mm-hmm. And yet she like went bankrupt, do like supporting this movement and then yeah. had to be bailed out by the very organizations she was like trying to elevate. Right. Well, at the same time, I mean, at this point, 1980, I wasn't alive, but I would assume yeah. at this point she was being taught and was being promoted by all sorts of government officials and, like, mm-hmm. all of these things being, like, here is this woman who inspired this movement, but we're just going to let her live in poverty. Right. And do and, – and not put our money where our mouth is. It's like if she's that big of an inspiration, well – Right. Give her money. Right. You know? Right. 
Like it doesn't it, support that, her in a way that that means something. Just so, yeah, yeah. I came across <sighs> that note and it just made me so sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, not, not, not a not a fun thing to read today. On October twenty fourth, two thousand five, at the age of ninety two. Rosa Parks died of natural causes, leaving behind a rich legacy of resistance against racial discrimination and injustice. I remember when she died. Yeah. Like, I have a conscious memory of that because I was yeah. also surprised. It's that moment of being surprised that they're still alive. Yeah. Know. <laughs> you know? I, know, I mean, like, truly. Because I wasn't, I wasn't terribly old in 2005. I was probably in, oh, golly, like fifth or sixth grade, give or take. Mm-hmm. So this moment of... Like you still don't, you still can't comprehend time and age, right? And you know, Rosa Parks felt like a million years ago, and to find out that not only she was she still living, but she died when right. I was alive. Yeah, no, I was twenty, and I remember being like, "Wasn't she?" I mean, that's the thing about how you're taught these types of stories is that in my mind, I was like, "Wasn't she like seventy when she did this?" Right. No, she was right. 42. She's like 42? not that much. She's six years older than I am now. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so, Can I mean, yeah. So back to one Ms. Rosa Parks. The Montgomery bus boycott ultimately led the U.S. Supreme Court to outlaw racial segregation on public buses in Alabama. It also spurred more nonviolent protests in other cities and catapulted a young Baptist minister named Martin Luther King Jr. into prominence as a leader of the civil rights movement. The movement and the laws it prompted, including the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965, are one of the greatest social revolutions in modern American history. President Obama, among others, credits Rosa Parks saying, uh, President Obama, among many others, credits Rosa Parks' singular act of disobedience with launching a civil rights movement that lasts to this day. Quote, Rosa Parks tells us there's always something we can do, he said during a 2013 ceremony to unveil a statue of Rosa Parks at the U.S. Capitol, where she is honored alongside past presidents, members of Congress, and military leaders. Quote, she tells us that we all have responsibilities to ourselves and to one another. Close quote. True. Yeah. Literally true. Yeah. I mean, that's what society is. Right. If you didn't want to live in a society, it's why you go live in the woods alone. But if Bye. you're going to agree <laughs> to lead, to live amongst the other humans. Sure. You have to be, you're, you're responsible to and for them. Just like I am responsible to and for you. You are responsible to and for me. That that's is true. exactly right. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. So let's close out with talking about the Rosa Parks Museum, which obviously is on our ever-growing list of places that we want to go. So this is just some fun little facts about the museum itself. Uh, The museum is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. They are closed on the weekend. Troy University's Rosa Parks Museum is an active memorial to the life of civil rights icon of Rosa Parks and the lessons of the Montgomery bus boycott that brought racial integration to transportation and international attention to civil rights. Located in downtown Montgomery, Alabama, at the site where Mrs. Parks was arrested, is the nation's only museum dedicated to Rosa Parks. 
Their mission is to honor her legacy and that of the boycott by providing a platform for scholarly dialogue, civic engagement, and positive change. The museum's collection contains a number of historically significant artifacts, including the original fingerprint arrest record of Rosa Parks, a 1950s-era Montgomery City bus, original works of art including statuary and quilts, court documents and police reports, as well as a restored 1955 station wagon known as the, quote, rolling church, used to transport protesters. Lots of cool stuff. Lots of cool stuff. Lots of cool. And all of those notes were coming from the the Rosa Parks Museum. Yeah. Like, website. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Would love to go. I would love to go. I want to see this rolling church. I love that. I love that as a, as like a name for that. That's really, I love that. For the station wagon? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I guess we, I mean, happy anniversary to Rosa Parks' (laughs) arrest, which is a weird thing to celebrate an an anniversary But an arrest for a great reason and an arrest that sent off just a domino effect. a true catalyst. Exactly. Yeah. A major domino effect. So, everybody, think about Rosa Parks on December 1st after listening to this episode. I don't know how you can't because it's literally all we've talked Mm -hmm. about. But in the meantime, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. As always, you can rate us, you can review us, you can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.